values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks again for being here. I want to remind you that during King LASIK's season of saving, LASIK for both eyes is now just $3,500. With this $2,000 savings and 0% financing for 24 months on approved credit, LASIK with Dr. King is only $146 a month. You can go to kinglasik.com slash Arizona for complete details, and I hope you will. Um, I kind of went into a rant this morning about, because I'm so frustrated like many people are, about the lack of getting anything done when it comes to the southern border of the United States. Uh, let's let's try to, I'm going to do the best I can very quickly to dispel with the political arguments. Yes, it has been going on for years and years and years with multiple presidents and nobody's fixed the problem. Yes, that's true. But it's also true that it's worse now under this president than it's ever been before. That has to be an acknowledgement from both sides. Now, let's get down to business. Let's talk about the nuance of what's happening at the border. Yes, there is fentanyl coming across our border. There are fentanyl coming into the country's multiple way, into the country multiple ways, but the most popular way is through Arizona. 70% of the nation's fentanyl we're here is coming through the ports and other places in Arizona. As a matter of fact, one of the things that just happened, and the story's in here, um, and it's not necessarily an immigration story, but they found fentanyl disguised as candy right before Halloween, coming into an airport in L.A. So it's a big problem. The border issue is that, but it's much bigger. It is much more nuanced. And I, I the story about these Afghan migrants, um, these Afghan migrants had to flee Afghanistan after the U.S. pulled its people out, so they fled that nation. They're stuck in Guatemala. They don't know how they're going to get to the U.S., and they're asking for us to open our doors to them. Um, we have nations that are war-torn that are seeking asylum. Many of them we have asylum agreements with, and they wait in line with other people, and it doesn't make any sense to me. What's going on at our southern border makes no sense to me whatsoever. To kind of uh, fuse together some of the topics we've talked about earlier, um, a couple of hundred thousand jobs, skilled labor jobs opened um, in the construction world. One of the reasons why we have a housing shortage in Arizona is because we don't have enough people to build them. And it's not just homes. There's a, there are three uh, in construction. There's residential. There's commercial. And then there's industrial and it's three different skill sets. And there aren't a lot of companies that do even two of the three, um, but especially not all three uh, different materials, different tools, different skill set, different costs. Um, all these things are so different. And so you usually usually you specialize in a couple. I started out in residential as an electrician that I moved into a commercial. I was a commercial electrician in doing service and repair. And I ended up doing a lot more industrial work at the end of my career. And uh, all of them served me well, but you're, there are shortages in all of these pieces of the industry in all of the trades. We have got a workforce, a labor force clamoring at our doors at the southern border that would come in and help in many other industries, some of them skilled labor and some of them we call unskilled labor. That doesn't mean they don't work hard and they're not valuable. It just means it's just the different. They're not technically trained in anything. And we could utilize that. What we are doing is doing it the wrong way. The incentivizing to bring people here the wrong way has got to stop. It just needs to stop. And we've done nothing to stop it from happening. Um, 
This one about out of New York. Just five migrants are living in Eric Adams, New York City, tent city that's set to house 500. If they're overwhelmed with people, why are only five people in it? There are so many different ways we can point fingers at people and say, what are you doing? The left points at Arizona's governor and Texas's governor and Florida's governor and says, what are you doing? Why are you using these people as pawns? Why are you sending them to these cities to make a political point? That's a horrible thing to do. You shouldn't do that. And then people on the right are pointing at these uh, at these Democrat mayors and saying, you said you're a sanctuary city, and now you're claiming you're overwhelmed with the small number of people we've sent you, Washington, D.C., New York City, Chicago, Illinois. How can you complain about the numbers you have? Come look at the numbers we have in much smaller towns with much fewer resources. And that's as far as we go on the border issue. Talked about the dreamers. And how how I guess if I were if I were a dreamer, I would be furious, too. You know, you grow up somewhere and they, and they have to at a to certain degree. There is some blame that they must level intellectually. If they're being honest, they have to look at it and their parents did come here the wrong way. The problem was caused by their parents coming to America the wrong way. All that being said, all these years have passed and they have gone from being small children through the American education system. And now they are adults that want to join the military or become police officers or go to college or go into the workforce. And they're finding out that they are hindered because they literally are people without a country. Can't go back to where they came from, but they're not Americans. And so President Obama came up with DACA, the DREAM Act. But that was an executive order. That is not a piece of legislation. And a judge said so. And now you, we can't even agree on that, on what to do with these young people. And in the meantime, we've created the next generation just waiting to be argued over, just waiting to figure out what's going to happen with them. And, and it, if I sound frustrated and beat down, I feel it today. More, I, I don't know why. I, I just feel frustrated and beat down today about all of this. This is a time where we should be, um, as I said earlier, and I've said many times, we should be celebrating our immigration system. The fact that we have so many people that want to come to this country to work or to live here, to be us, to be Americans and become citizens, we should be honored by and we should celebrate it. We could take the world's – what's interesting is the way our immigration system has been pictured, especially when you look at the Statue of Liberty and that poem that's there, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. We set it up saying you give us the people you don't want and we'll forge a great nation. At this point with our economy and the way things are, we are able to handpick the best and the brightest if we want to from around the world to bring them here. And a mixture of the two makes us a great nation. Being able to say if you are the best and the brightest in these countries around the world, world, come and bring your knowledge here and you will become bigger than you ever could have imagined and you will be doing greater things than you ever thought possible. The same thing could be said to the family where they said, listen, we just want to raise our kids in an American school and a better quality of life and watch them start at an entry level position and in one generation do the same thing. I've seen it happen multiple times with people that have come with nothing when they, when they came here from Cuba, they literally left Cuba, the Cuban island, with just the set of clothing they had on their back. And in one generation, one generation, they have become the American dream. Homeowners, own their cars, college graduates, American citizens, contributors, business owners. 
And that's the American dream we should be proud of. And instead of offering that to the world, we're fighting over the fact we've got millions of people crossing our border illegally. The cartels are winning and, and are being funded by this. And we're doing nothing to solve the problem. We aren't working together at all. And all of us, and I'm sorry to say this to the people on the opposite side of the aisle from me, you're included in this too. None of us are holding the White House accountable for the policies that are making this worse than ever. Why? Politics. Just wait till after. Just wait till after the election. Then we'll deal with it. Let's keep a lid on it just a little longer. We shouldn't accept it. None of us should accept it. We get caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? And we do it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Another big, busy news day. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Robert Hughes, the president of County and State Electric, joined you today and talked about the trade careers, including how women are becoming a part of the workforce. Sorry, the volume is not working. Uh, Not sure why, but we talked about it on the show. He said that women were a huge part, 11%, I believe. How do you continue to diversify the trades? I I just think the opportunities that are out there, and as as the walls come down a little bit, and it's more comfortable for people on both sides of the issue, I worked, uh, one of the first people I worked for, one of my first supervisors was a journeyman named Michaela, and she taught me so much, and this was in 1985, 1986, when it was still very rare, but she was accepted on the job site because she was really good at what she did. It was a male-dominated world at that time, but she did such a good job. She was very, very well-respected. And I would say no matter what those trades are to all of the young women out there, if you're interested in something, it is a satisfying career. And I promise you, you are going to be treated like an equal and probably become a boss. And that's what's cool about it. You then are the leader of the team. That's some satisfying feelings. President Biden spoke today on the economy, wanting to highlight a reduction to the deficit. This year, the deficit fell by $1.4 trillion, the largest one-year job in American history, $1.4 trillion decline in the deficit. Is this proof that we are rebuilding the economy? Well, I would say no. It's a good, if the number is accurate, if it's not a numbers game, and I don't see the details, so I'm only saying if, because we understand that both sides of the aisle play that game sometimes, it's good news that deficit reduction is an important part of a good economy down the road. But what we are seeing happen with the economy, look what's happening in the stock market. They are the predictors of things to come. And when we have watched things happen the way they are, we've seen a 7,000-point drop in just the past year. The economy is slowing down. People are concerned about recession. There are other members of Congress that have said it, and that's what scares me more than anything. You are listening to Did You Hear This? Trying to get you caught up on all the big headlines. Gail and Drake from 538 discussed new polling data that may explain why some Democrats running for office have kept their distance from President Biden on the campaign trail. He's not winning the majority of independents like he did back in 2020 when he won the election. He's probably not the person that Democrats want in front of, you know, a crowd of independents trying to sway their vote. Are you surprised that Democrats are shying away from the president? No, because, you know, the same thing happened at the end of uh, President Bush's, I'm talking about 
W at the end of his second term when the economy went south. He took the blame for that. And how much of that is accurate is all up to speculation. But, of course, the president took the blame for that. And so Republicans who were running for election and reelection did not want to be surrounded by a president that was so had such low poll numbers. So they shied away from it. This happens quite a bit when a president's popularity is down. I'm not surprised by it. People vote with their wallets. They don't like what they're seeing out of Washington on a number of issues. So they want to run on their own merit. They're not looking for the endorsement of a White House that's immensely unpopular. So, no, I'm not surprised. An Arizona Cardinals win wasn't the only exciting NFL news last night as the Carolina Panthers traded star running back Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers. Arizona sports Ron Wolfley reacted to the news. You know what? It sucks buttermilk. Can I say that right sure now? The Amish say it sucks buttermilk. I'm going to say it right now because that's what it does. How will Christian McCaffrey's presence shake up the NFC West? Oh, it is going to be a disaster when you talk about Debo and you talk about their great tight end Kittle and now you add this guy to the package. It not only are you great in your position, but you're versatile out of the backfield, and now they are so multi-dimensional and can be in so many different places at once. They are going to be a nightmare for defenses, and I think this rockets them to the top of the division for sure, just in time to play the Cardinals in a few weeks. One month from now, as a matter of fact. So yeah, it's going to be tough. Great job, Julia. That is Did You Hear This for Another Day. Coming up just after 1130, we're going to talk about the inflation and how inflation is affecting all of us. And some people have actually said we knew that when we did the things we were doing that this was going to happen. Does that anger people to know that they did this knowing it was going to stress the economy, that this was not going to be uh, good for our economy? So we're going to talk about that coming up here in just a couple of minutes before we close out the show. So please. Stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Let's just do a dance party for the last half hour of the show. Let's just do that for a while. Um, pipe in the music and have some fun. I could sure use a little bit of that right now. Um, so we've got to talk. We, we're going to continue to on this theme of the economy. And, you know, I know it's it, the I, it, the reputation that we have earned and that we have definitely earned it when it comes to talk radio is that we are dividers, that we choose a side. We're always right. You're always wrong. Rah, rah, our team. Your team's terrible. And I've never really felt that way. And that's not really the way I operate. But I do look and see how things are. And you're right. When I'm on the, when somebody I agree with is there, I'm going to say I agree with them. When someone I don't agree with, I'm going to point it out. That's my job. Um, in this case, I have no axe to grind personally with Joe Biden. None. Same with with uh, Barack Obama. I, you know, I, I looked at them as human beings that I disagreed with. Now, I have to admit, there are people that I don't know that I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a big fan of Nancy Pelosi. I don't I don't know her, but I don't like her. I can admit my biases, my political biases and what I talk about in policy. It's not a personal attack against Joe Biden. But I do have arguments about the American people. When you just be honest, and I mean this sincerely, you got to be honest. When I go to the doctor, when I go to the doctor, I love my doctor because he's honest with me. If it's going to hurt 
My doctor says, this is going to hurt. He doesn't pull any punches with me. It's not, oh, wait, little stick. No, no, no. This is going to hurt. And he makes sure that I'm prepared. It's necessary. I wouldn't do this if it wasn't necessary, but this is going to hurt. And we want the truth. My dentist, the same way, you know? When that numbness, when that Novocaine wears off, mm, you better be prepared. You want to know. And, and I don't believe they're being honest. I believe what they are doing is playing politics when I think the American people are prepared for the truth. I'm going to lay something out for you that I think is true. There are a lot of Americans that believe that the decimation of the fossil fuel companies, the big oil companies, is a good thing in principle because of the planet and also in principle because they just don't like those big corporations that are making these huge profits. So there are a lot of Americans that I don't agree with there, but they believe that the right direction for America is renewable energy that's better for the planet in their mind and getting rid of big oil. They believe that that pathway is correct. And there are others in America that don't. But if you listen to the president, his party, both parties, this is what both parties do. They, they talk about the middle class, the working class and the middle class and improving your station in life. And we want to give you an opportunity at a better paying job. We want to make sure that you can send your kids to school. We want to make sure you can pay your bills and keep a roof over your head. And we want to make sure we're going to do all these things for you. We want to provide an avenue for you to be able to do that. No one should go hungry. No one should not be able to have access to quality medical care at a low cost. Both sides of the aisle say this over and over and over again. What is being done right now is intentional. They believe it's the right thing to do. So let me lay this out for you. If the president of the United States had said this is going to be painful for a time, he's called it the great transition, but they take absolutely no responsibility for any of the increases that have happened. Um, The president has gone after the fossil fuel industry and blamed it on them. The president in the debate with the former president said that he was going to get rid of the fossil fuel industry. The White House press secretary was asked how serious they are about this, about banning petroleum products. And she said everything is on the table. So you've got to be honest with the American people of how painful that's going to be in the interim. Because if you are going to take credit for the good things it will cause in your mind, I don't think it will, but you do. If you're going to take credit for the outcome eventually, you have to take blame for the pain in the meantime. Putin's price hike and all this other stuff, it's nonsense. The OPEC nations lining up against us. These are countries that know that in a one-on-one military battle, they could never beat the American military. But they do know that they, they control a big piece of our economy, and that's the price of oil. And that's why they're driving it up twofold. It's going to help the Russians and their war effort with the money that they're going to make on more expensive oil. And it's going to damage the U.S. economy and Europe, you know, the Western world economy. It's going to damage the economies by driving up the cost of heating oil, of natural gas, of fuel. Um, I'm talking about gasoline and diesel. Um, it, It is just going to drive up those costs, and they know it's going to hurt those economies. And so why not lay it out there? Because we are not energy independent. 
Their idea of energy independence is build more battery factories so that we can have more electric vehicles. But you still have the power plants that are producing power using fossil fuels. You still have a dependence. Anybody that believes and, – and so this is where the politics comes in. I don't think most people believe – that we are going to be energy independent by using the majority of our vehicles will be powered by electricity. I don't think anybody believes that that's going to happen by 2035. I don't think Californians believe that they are realistically going to get a ban on electric vehicles or on gas-powered vehicles by 2035. But everybody admires the lofty goal. Everybody admires – but lay it out. In the meantime, what are you going to do? How valuable does a gallon of gasoline become? What does it do to the companies out there? So the the spiral downhill for a small business is that they are barely hanging on. Their, Their profits are going down because their costs are going up. Their employees' costs are going up. So now the employee wants more money because in order to maintain the quality of life they have now, they need a bigger cost of living increase when it's time for their review. So now you have an employee that's up for their annual review. Let's sit down and talk about your performance. You're doing a very good job. You're reliable. You are making us money. Well, I would like a raise. So, well, we can't afford a raise. Look at what we're paying for everything. And the employee says, well, look what I'm paying for everything. That's why I need a raise. And it is a cycle that takes the profitability away from a company. And in the end, business owners are a slave to that bottom line. Corporations are a slave to their shareholders. And the, the government is a, is a creator by virtue of its policies in a lot of this. Uh, Representative Clyburn from South Carolina said in an interview, we knew all along that this was going to happen. I'm going to let you hear it in a minute. I want you to hear him say it. He tells a person that's interviewing him, we knew when we passed the American Rescue Plan that this was going to happen. And so they, this is a part of the plan. I'm glad he's being honest. There will be plenty of people in this country that still admire it and say, okay, we're doing the right thing. It is what it is. But you got to hear him say it. And that's what I'm going to play here before we close it out in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. A few minutes left before we close out our weekend. Very quickly, um, I want want you to hear Representative Clyburn out of South Carolina, James Clyburn, talking about this. We knew this all along. We knew when we did this, the uh, Restoration Act or whatever it was that they did, it was going to cause inflation. Well, let me make it very clear. All of us were concerned about these rising costs. And all of us knew this would be the case uh, when we put in place this recovery program. Anytime you put more money uh, into uh, the economy, prices tend to rise. So that's that was just an admission by the representative saying that they knew this was going to happen. And I'm not saying, again, I disagree with it, but there are people that would like it. It's the part of it that says everybody we've talked to says that we haven't done this. This is happening all over the world. This is a bad thing everywhere. It's not the fault of the administration. They have no – their policies did nothing to cause this. That's the problem I have is when they say that. You've got to own what you should own, and they're, they're not there. They're not owning it. Whether it comes to gas prices or inflation in general, it's just not something that they are going to own. Um, 
Before I close out today, uh, I want to uh, address what's happening this weekend. Uh, this weekend, we will be talking with, hopefully, and the hope for me is that both candidates would show up. We have a campaign event, a, gov- a gubernatorial campaign event going on in conjunction with uh, the Citizens Clean Election Commission and AZTV. They've asked me to to moderate if both candidates show up and if not, lead the Q&A with a candidate that does. And uh, I've been working hard to prepare for both scenarios. And it is my hope that, that the Secretary of State will show up. I would love to be able to, to do that. I think the voters of Arizona deserve it. And it's gonna it'll be on uh, Sunday at five p.m. on AZTV seven. And I want to address some of the controversy that's happened this week. And first of all, say that I am very thankful to the Clean Elections Commission that they would um, they would choose me, that they would give me the trust for this job. And I'm taking it very, very seriously. Um, I've been very clear on where I stand politically. But if you've listened to this show, you've also heard me debate uh, very sometimes very contentiously with uh, with um, Carrie Lake. Um, I've admitted that I'm friends with Carrie Lake, but that's not going to stop me from asking difficult questions of a candidate for governor. I am an American before I am anything else. I am an Arizonan before I am a Republican. The citizens and the voters in Arizona deserve to have answers to questions about somebody or people, if both of them happen to show up. They deserve to hear answers to difficult questions on how they would lead the state of Arizona for the, the at least the next four years. And I, it's not a job that I take lightly. So um, I understand the concerns. I understand the criticism. I, you know, I follow it on social media, and it's not so much the people on social media that are the anonymous, you know, slappy 684 I'm always talking about, but from other members of the media and other people that are out there that are in the political world is I hope that they will judge fairly at the end of all of this, the, the work that we do. This certainly isn't about me. There's a, there's a team of people behind us that want to make this out to be something that the Arizona voters deserve. This is an important election with two candidates that have diametrically opposing positions on many, many issues. And it's not just where they stand on an issue, but what they would do to govern. What they would do and what reason that they want to be the chief executive in Arizona. And the voters ultimately are going to make that decision very soon. So I will tell you very honestly, I first thing when they asked me, I was I said I was very honored and I am. But I also am am taking it very seriously because I think it is a big responsibility. So to anybody out there that is concerned that this is going to be a softball interview or because I'm friends with Carrie that this was uh, it isn't. And I will I will stand by and answer for anything I do or don't do what happens on Sunday when you see it. But I, I hope that you will at least give me this. I take it very, very seriously. I am looking at this as being the voice for the voters in Arizona, not Republican voters in Arizona, but independents and Democrats as well, that we all deserve to hear from both of these candidates, that we should be able to hear why they believe what they believe, what they want to accomplish and how they will accomplish it as governor. And if I have an opportunity to talk to both of them, I'm going to hold both of them accountable to answer those things. What do you want to do? How do you plan to do it on the most important issues? We are working. I am working feverishly on writing those questions for two people or for one person if only one shows up. And it's my wish, it's my wish that both would. Um, It's my hope that they will. And I understand going into this, uh, and I I had absolutely no say in the choosing. Clean Elections vetted a bunch of people, and they asked me to do this without. My input to them was I would understand that they would take a little bit of heat for asking me to do this. Um, I, I am uh, I, I am taking their trust in allowing me to do this very, very seriously. 
And I hope you'll at least give me that. You may walk away from what you see and not like it um, or may not think I did enough of something or another. But I'm asking that you would give me an opportunity to show that I can ask fair questions of anybody and be fair to the voters of Arizona and fair to the candidates that I'd be talking to. Because more than anything else, if you've listened to this show, aside from my political leanings, I hope you've heard me talk about how much I love where I live. I've got children. I've got grandchildren. And I want them to grow up and live in the best state possible. And that is where my mindset is going into this weekend, that I am promising you that I may not do the best job you've ever seen, but I'm going to do the best job I can to be a representative of the voters of Arizona, not Republicans, no, not even myself, everybody involved. And that's what my sole goal has been since they've asked me. We've been working very hard with a team of people on presenting something that the voters in Arizona deserve. And I think with the team around me that's putting this together over at AZTV7, it is going to be something that we can be proud of. And I hope Monday morning I'm feeling that way. Right now I'm just a little anxious. So uh, I appreciate you letting me uh, finish off with that statement. Um, we will be back on Monday to discuss it. Don't forget that this uh, this can- campaign event, this candidate event is happening on Sunday at 5 o'clock on AZTV7. We'll be back Monday just after 8 o'clock as well. Um, we look forward to ha- being with you then. You can find me on Twitter at BroomheadKTAR and you can find me on Instagram at Mike Broomhead, all one word. Just after 8 o'clock, I'll be back on Monday to discuss it all. Have a great weekend. God bless.